Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. Let's take your Bibles, please, and turn to the back of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we're in a series on Sunday mornings. This is the fourth part of that series entitled Beloved. It's a word that John uses a lot. He was called the beloved disciple, and he used it a lot. He felt loved by God. And uh, he sure loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was reciprocal. We know that Jesus loves everybody the same. Um, However, John just felt loved by Christ. And God wants you to feel loved by the Lord Jesus as well. It's not his fault. If you don't feel loved, it's our fault. And so I'm trying to help all of us with that. And I guess if we had a subtitle for this series, it would be How the Love of Christ Can Revolutionize Our Love for Him. So as we find out how God loves on us, <laughs> it should do something to us. Uh, it should draw us close to His side. Let's stand together, please, reading God's Word. We'll take another short section of Scripture. We're going to have to pick up steam somewhere. We're never going to get done with this book. But, but uh, let's look at verses 3 through 6. He has dealt with the subject of light and fellowship and the subject of sin. He say we, we say we have no sin, but deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But we have sin, and if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. You have atonement with His Son, and uh, that's for the whole world. Now He covers a subject that has to do with our obedience. And in fact, in this book, there's at least seven places... <coughs> at least seven places, the Bible gives us some help with our doubts. Sometimes people struggle with knowing for sure that they're saved, and they'll doubt their salvation. This is one of those today. I'm not going to use it just for that today, but it's very emphatic. And to the point, verse number three, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. I'll draw your attention to verse 3, our text verse. Let's read that out loud together in unison, verse 3. Ready? And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. I'm going to speak on this subject this morning, the proof of your profession. The proof of your profession. Speaking of your profession, the fact that you know the Lord, that you're his child. Father, help us today as we look in this very serious subject. 
I pray that all of us would examine themselves. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, as the song goes. And help us to get that resolve and confidence we need to live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. John said this in his first epistle, chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus is speaking. John records his inspiration. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Just a few verses down in John 14, in the presence of, of all people, Judas Iscariot, Jesus said this, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him, make myself known to him. I'll perfect that relationship if you'll keep my commandments. There is absolutely nothing faulty with the love of God. Let me say that again. There's absolutely nothing faulty with the love of God. His love is perfect. If you and I do not feel loved by God, the problem lies with us. In this short section, the apostle gives us a way to prove our love for God, namely, by the keeping of his commandments. Anyone can say that they're a Christian. In fact, it's a popular thing to call oneself a Christian. For now, that is. That could change. But as you can tell by the wickedness in our land, very few professing Christians practice what they preach. And what that phrase means is, in other words, they do not obey the commands of God found in the Bible. So, preacher, how can you say that? Well, if we were practicing what we were preaching, we were keeping the commands of God, we'd have so much of the power of God, we'd be having revival in our land right now. Oh, yeah. I believe that. But what if you were called upon to die for your faith? And how do you think all that would play out? Would there be enough evidence to convict you that you're a Christian? Or would you immediately recant your faith as a Christian? You, you may be sent back there and say, well, that day will never come. Oh, really? That's exactly where this world is heading today. It is one thing to say that you're a child of God. It is completely another thing to actually possess for sure eternal life. Now, please understand that God made it very simple to become a born-again Christian. And even true Christians will sometimes struggle with their faith. It usually occurs when they have been unfaithful to the great disciplines of their faith. In other words, if you made a profession of your faith when you were younger or at some age, and you got on fire for God, you got to reading your Bible, you got in church, you got to praying, you got to telling folks about Christ, your life changed drastically, and you gave up some old habits, all those things, you're all right on track. And somehow in your life, that begins to wane. You stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. You stop thinking about the things of God. You stop being faithful to church. You walk away from some of those disciplines that you brought into your life early on. Then it comes to natural reason that you may not feel like you're a Christian. What happened there? Well, you stopped obeying the commands of God. Often the magnetism of this world will take hold of a believer and when that happens, they'll tend to walk away from God instead of drawing nigh to him. Well, there must be a test for this. Preacher, God would not leave us out there hanging 
to where we couldn't know for sure that we're saved or not saved. And by the way, he says in this book that we can know we have eternal life. So if any of you are sitting out there and you say, well, you really can't know that. That's not true. The Bible says you can know that. In fact, how many believe that you can know that you're saved? Just as a testimony, you can know that you're saved. And so God does give us a test. When these doubts come, we can know. There are actually several of these so-called tests found in the book of 1 John. This is the first one we encounter, and here it is, a love for keeping God's commandments. It's called the test of obedience. Not perfection, for no human being is perfect. But here the Bible is not speaking uh, uh, from the legal aspect. He's speaking from the love aspect. We're in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. I mean, thank God for that. The age of grace, not the age of law. A child best obeys his parents out of love. How many would agree to that? Now, a child can obey a parents and still be defiant. Like the little boy, uh, his mama told him to sit down, and, and he sat down, and he was stew-born and frying. You could tell by the look on his face, he was mad about it. And his aunt, so-and-so, that's all full of, she said, well, Junior, I see you're obeying your mama and sitting down. He said, yeah, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I want you to know I'm standing up on the inside. That's how sometimes Christians live, in defiance and obeying because they feel like they have to. But the child best obeys his parents out of love. A servant or employee, on the other hand, obeys because that's the rules. Now, not all employees. Some employees just love their job and they're just, just icky gooey about all of it. But by and large, a servant or employee obeys because that's the rules. And you can be disciplined or even lose your job if you fail to obey the rules. But a child who has a blood relationship to the father or the rule maker obeys out of love for his father. That's the goal anyway. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So the best child is the one that obeys out of love. An employee obeys because he likes his paycheck and he has to feed his family. An employee may, not all, but an employee may hate his job and have no respect for his boss, but he still obeys the rules. That's how some people who call themselves Christians think that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to do what we do for God because we love him. And he loves us. A child of God obeys because he loves his heavenly father, desires to demonstrate that by willingly obeying his commandments. You ever had a child like that that just is compliant with everything, just thrills your soul? And you've got several children, but you want, to maybe, you want to maybe do more for that child than you do the other child, but you know you can't do that. But just, it just, you find a way to reward that. Does anybody have, no one has kids like that? You know, surely. <laughs> I was one like that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, I want to give you about three or four things here. I want you to jot these out. Let's work, work through this short section. First of all, I feel like that we need to look at, at the purpose of, of God's commandments in verse 4. What are the purposes? The Bible says here in verse 4 that uh, we, uh, we, we can know that we know him, we're a child of God, because of these commandments. So it, it goes to the reason that there's a constant here. There's something that you and I can grab a hold of to show God we love him. And that thing is the commandments of God. The purpose of his commandments. Well, they're found in the word of God. Verse 5 the first part talks about that, but whoso keepeth his word. So the word word is synonymous with commandments. So we have a Bible in our lap right now that contains the commandments of God. And uh, theologians say that 
There are 613 commandments. I have not counted them all. But they're found in the Old Testament and New Testament combined. 613 thou shalt and thou shalt nots that we can be made aware of if we read our Bible. Now, some of those were for the Jews. In other words, uh, they were forbidden to eat pork. How many of you thank God that, that we live in the age of bacon? <laughs> or grace, I mean. But uh, probably not going to help you much if you read it. There's probably some sense in that. Not to eat hog meat. We're not going to go into all that. And how they root and worms. And everything. But the best known of all the commandments are the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20. Let me read them for you. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's not a suggestion. Thou shalt not make of thee any graven images, no idols. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For those who decide they can cuss and use God's name in vain. Help me understand that's not even for a Christian in this generation. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You and I don't worship on Saturday. We worship on Sunday since the resurrection. Help me understand the importance of the Lord's day. Okay. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt, and that's not talking about war. There's a time for that. The Bible talks about that. There's a balance. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. We don't lie. We don't cover up. We don't cheat people. Thou shalt not covet. And it gives a list of things that we shouldn't covet. How many, how many of you are familiar with the basic Ten Commandments of the Bible? Four of you. Maybe I should start over to point number one. But there's 613. These 10 pop out. But then in the New Testament, Jesus funnels that down. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, Jesus condenses all the commandments of the Bible into two. Then, I quote here, Jesus, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So all these commandments found in the Old Testament, Jesus siphons them all down to two commandments. Love the Lord thy God, love your neighbor as thyself. And by the way, just in the condensing of the Ten Commandments, he's speaking of the first four commandments that have to do with loving God and the last six commandments that have to do with our relationship with man. Six the number of man. And so Jesus is narrowing this down. God gives uh, these commandments for two basic reasons so that we can cohabit uh, in a civil fashion here on planet earth. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. How me understand that if you do those things, life is not going to be good with that other person. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. These are things that cause us a lot of friction in relationships. So, so God gives us these things not to be saved, become saved. God gives us these things to <coughs> show us that we are sinners and how we should how we should obey them in order to cooperate with our fellow man. But secondly, he gives us commandments so that we can show our love for him. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart. So those first four commandments, or the 613 commandments that have to do with loving God, there's just certain things you and I do to show that we love God. You're doing one of them right now. You're sitting in the house of God. If you're doing so for the right reasons. 
So this, this is what Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now let me just stop and say this. I'm not going to say a lot about verse 4 because it's very negative. But you're not going to get around this one. You're not going to get around it. Look at verse number 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a what? And the truth is not in him. Yeah. Man, he could have written, this, written all this beautiful statement right here. So he's saying, if you say, and you profess to be a child of God, but you don't keep his commandments, you're more than dishonest, you're lying. That's tough. So we have the purpose of God's commandments is so we can live civilly with fellow man here on earth, but more so that we can, the first one is to love God with all of our soul, my everything. The commandments are given so that we can show God by our life that we're thankful that we're Christians and we're in the family of God and we keep the commandments to show God we love him. Just like any child does with his parents. Number two, the proof of our Christianity. The proof of our Christianity, verse number three. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Hereby we do know that we know him, that we're in the family of God. How? By keeping his commandments. This is one of the greatest ways that we can demonstrate to God and those around us that we love God, keep his commandments. Right now, let me ask you, are you attempting to obey the commandments of God? Don't answer out loud. Are you attempting to obey the commandments of God. God says, have no other gods before me. Well, then we worship, we don't worship idols. So today, if you call yourself a professing Christian, <clears throat> yet you go home and bow down to some idol, then you're not a child of God, according to the Bible. I, I'm not the rule maker. I'm not the Bible writer. God is. That's one of the commandments. Uh, no dabbling with the spirits and witchcraft and all those things and other false gods. God says no adultery, then we don't commit adultery. God says, and by the way, <coughs> these things that we do, we learned in the previous chapter, we can ask God's forgiveness for those things. God says don't cuss, then don't cuss. God says love the brother, then we love the brethren. God says don't forsake his house, we don't forsake his house. God says we separate from the world, we separate from the world. There's, there's <coughs> a lot, a lot of, of, of commands throughout the scriptures the idea is that we love those commandments. We're trying our best to keep those commandments. When we don't keep those commandments, the Spirit of God convicts us of our sin. We confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9. We can't say we don't have any sin. We can't say that we have not tres, tres, trespassed against God's commandments. <laughs> I was getting that word mixed up in my brain. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, we can't say that we're perfect, but we're saying this is our goal in life to keep the commandments of God. Now, I'm not throwing a big wet blanket on everybody because I'm preaching to a church full of sinners saved by the grace of God. We all know we're sinners. We all know where we stepped out of line. You're sitting back there saying, oh, brother, this is the first time I've been to church in four months and, and, and I, now I'm not a Christian. Is that, that's not what I'm saying. Please understand, you know that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God has set down commandments and when we obey those commandments, we're demonstrating to God that we love him. We're not perfect. We'll spend a lifetime in the process. It's called consecration. 
as we grow more like Christ. We experienced this growing up as a child into adulthood. We had to be spanked. If you had an old-fashioned mom and dad, it was spanking's a nice word. Or grounded by our parents in order to obey. But the idea was to grow out of that stage. I hope nobody right here in this building right now is still getting spanked. Some of you need grounded, I'll tell you that. Especially those of you who drive a car between here and Nashville. <coughs> you say, how you know that? Because I see some of you. You're crazy. And so, we have the proof of our Christianity. Most of us get in our 20s. And by the grace of God, you finally realize how much your parents loved you and invested in you. And you finally begin to figure this love out. And I mean, maybe it's when you get into college and your parents are trying to help you. But you look back over your life and just say, well, they really did love me. Now, if you haven't figured that out, <coughs> figure it out today. And I understand everybody doesn't. But this process we learn as children with parents is the same as true as a, with a child of God. We prove our love to God by learning and loving and keeping His, and His commandments. That means we love this Bible right here. That means we're in the Word of God. Now, I want to show you how this all comes together in what's called the perfection of God's compassion or His love. The perfection of God's compassion. Look at... Uh, Verse number five. But whoso keepeth this word, <coughs> God's assuming here, that's your goal, you're saved, that's what you're going to do. Here's what we can expect. But whoso keepeth this word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. You want to feel loved by God? Keep his commandments with a genuine heart full of love. This gives you great confidence that you're a child of God. The doubts are gone. The great boldness is present. Sweet fellowship is enjoyed. There is a progression found here. And I want you to mark these and I'm finished. Once you look at verse 3 and circle the phrase, know him. Hereby we know that we, here it is, know him. Skip down, look at verse number 5, and circle the phrase, in him. Verse number 5, the last phrase, hereby, we, hereby know we that we are in him. We know him, we're in him. And look at verse number 6, circle the phrase, abiding in him. Abiding in him. I want to walk you through this. And I'm finished because the goal of this study is that you would feel loved by Christ. And that occurs whenever you start loving him like you should. Christ already loves you. He, he can't love you any more than he loves you right now. But you don't feel that way. And you don't feel that way, most likely. Maybe you feel loved by God, and I hope you do. I hope a large majority just feel so loved by God. But I want to help you feel that way. The progression is found here, first of all, knowing him in verse 3. To know him speaks of an experience that we have had in the past on the day that we believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins on the cross. 
He was buried three days. He rose from the grave on the third day. He's alive right now. You call on his name. How many say, I've done that? All right, that's knowing him. That was an event that happened sometime in the past. You come to know him as your Savior. You're born again. From that moment of regeneration, there's a lot of things that happens spiritually that you and I don't get to see, but we know doctrinally they happen. The Holy Spirit of God entered your life. He seals you to the day of redemption. So the third person of the Trinity lives inside of you right now. Uh, also, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He puts a new appetite. He puts a new, new ideas and changes the way that you look at sin and maybe some, some friends that don't help you. You are entered into the glorious family of God. The child of God is able to be a part of the church and, and the congregations. He gives you a brand new family. And there's a lot of things that happen. Now, please understand that God knows all about you. In fact, the very hairs of your head are numbered. He knows you. That's not the question. The question is, do you know him? Uh, how well do you know him? Knowing him? became available to you the moment you got saved. He gave you the Spirit of God. He gives you the Word of God. And so right now, as far as knowing Him, you are at some level in that relationship. When I first met my wife, she was an acquaintance. She said, she, she spoke to me, and I spoke to her, and I went, ooh, hubba, hubba. And there's somewhere on the line there. I thought, well, I want to. So I found out more about her, found out where she lived, and... Uh, I drove around her house. Now, today they call that stalking, but I mean, <laughs> I would just drive by and rev up my motors and those loud muffles, ah, blow my horn. And then she'd come out and sweep the porch. <laughs> this is a very innocent thing. But then I finally got brave enough to ask her on a date. And we did that for a while. And eventually we got married. Now for all these years, we know each other very, very well. In fact, we read each other's minds. It's pretty scary. And uh, they say the older you get, you start to look like each other. So I'm not sure who's going to get the short end of the stick there. But um, knowing him, right now you're on some level of that. If you just got saved, there's a whole life ahead of you where you're going to get to learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you've been saved for a long time, you've walked with him Boy, if you, if you did this thing right, you just know, you know. You can sense his presence. You can feel the spirit of God move in your life. There's just so much that he has for you. And that's knowing him that starts with the event of salvation. Then being in him. This is something that's similar, but verse 5 talks about being in him. This speaks of how God loves us back. As we keep his commandments, God's love is, the Bible says in verse 5, perfected. That word perfected means that it matures or it ripens to perfection. It becomes a sweet daily walk. Perfection means to be just right. I'm into avocados now. I'm not very good at it. I don't have any Mexican in me. But there's a, there, you go get those avocados and they're green and they're hard and you got a way that you write, if you get it just right, when you crack them open, they're soft. There's no black in there. They're just green and soft. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm in the South. How about a peach? You get a peach. 
There's just, just a few days there. They're hard and they start turning a little darker. And there's this place where they're just right. And if you don't get them just right, then they become rotten. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible's saying there's just this sweet place that you can get with God where you feel like you're in him and you walk with him and he's in you and you sense his sweet presence. That's what it's talking about. You're being in him and you finally realize that. He bears witness with your heart and soul that you're a child of God. He makes his love and his presence known unto you and we enjoy all that he has for us because we're in him we're in the family of God and it starts when you know him now folks I want I want you to get this I don't want you to come to the end of your life or to the rapture and not have the relationship with God that he wants you to have. This is the relationship that you and I need to get us through the hard times. You have got to know that Jesus is right there, that, that you're in him and, and, uh, and he's, in, he's in his Father's hand and nobody can pluck you out of the Father's hand. You've got to know that he's with you and you're in him. Then the Bible uses a stronger phrase, this is for us. That is the phrase in verse 6, abiding in him. Look at the verse. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walks. So now, as Jesus walks, we're walking right with him in step. We're abiding with him. Now, the word abiding is a very strong word. The word abide means to remain, but in this context, it means to reside, to dwell with. In other words, you get to the place in your Christian life where you've made up your mind that you're a child of God, you're going to have a relationship with him no matter what, and you're just going to go through life with him. You're sticking with him. Let me just say this. God's side of the relationship says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Man's side of the relationship is fickle. But there comes a place in a mature Christian's life that says, I'm sticking with him. He's my Savior. I love what he, what he has for me, and I love keeping his commandments, and I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. It's a child of God. Let me just say this. The great martyrs of, the, of, of our faith got to this place or they would have never went to the stake for Christ. There was something, there was something in them that knew that, that they were in God and God was in them and, and they knew that they literally as they went through life that God's presence was there and they walked with him and they talked with him and he told them that, that uh, uh, he was their own. Uh, I mean, we decided to, to reside to abide with Christ. This is why the church is described the bride of Christ. The true believer does not just date the Lord. We're betrothed to him for that marriage supper someday in heaven. This is a promise. It's like this. When you get saved, God puts the ring on your finger. Be faithful to him. Love him. Understand you're as close to being married, you might say, in that relationship. And I mean that in a spiritual way. May God help us in this wicked and perverted generation. The Christian that sincerely obeys the commandments of God because he loves him will walk with him throughout this life. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. In John 15, 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Let me just stop right here. I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm just going to say it right now. There's going to come a day 
Your prayer life may be as weak as water, but there's going to come a day when you're going to need God to answer your prayer in your life. All that time you spend in the Word of God and obeying God and keeping His commandments, someday, if you love Him, will pay off. That's not why you do it. But God says, you abide in me, you walk with me, my words abide in you, you know what I'm saying, you know what I want, then you're going to get to the place where you're going to, you can ask something to me and I'm going to take care of it for you. How many say I need that? I need that in life. Again, he says in verses 10, 11, same chapter, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't give you commandments in the scriptures to make you unhappy. God gives you commandments in the scriptures to make you joyful. As I was a child growing up, my dad and my mom, they had parameters, they had rules, they had things we obeyed. As long as I stayed inside, those rules and those walls that my mom and dad had put around me I was a happy camper I was full of joy I pulled my feet under the table of Delver and Helen Norris and I was fed and I was educated and I was clothed and I had a roof over my head when the storms came and I had everything I had those big hugs and I had Christmas presents at Christmas and birthday cake chocolate a birthday cake with icing a half inch thick and candles all over it for my birthday and I felt loved when I stepped outside those walls, I didn't feel loved. I felt the judgment of God. And all I had to do was step back in the commandments of my family. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying you'll be perfect in keeping all the commandments, but that should be your goal. That should be your joy. That should be your goal in life is to obey the commandments of God so that we can have the joy that he has for us. What a joyful thing it is. This morning, I just want to say, if you can say anything about yourself today, would you say you're keeping those commandments? If you're not, you don't feel secure in your faith. And if you're not keeping the commandments of God and you do feel secure in your faith, there's something really whacked out with that. And much of America is like that right now. You can say anything you want about being a Christian, but the proof of your profession is in your actions. Are you right now attempting to keep the commandments of God? Let me just say this. In a church like this, you know what they are. We're not saved by keeping the commandments, but we prove our love by keeping God's commandments. Maybe I should word it like this. What commandment or commandments are you breaking right now? Now, it should be dumb, and I'm going to just stop right here for just a minute. There's not a person in the sound of my voice that doesn't know. You, you know what's going on in this world. And you know what's going on in this nation. And I'll say this because I know how I preach, and I know, the, I know the, what we teach in this church and our ministries. You know what's going on with the church at large in America. And you know what the Bible says, and you know that the church is walking away the unfaithful. I know you know that. I saw the great football stadiums, and I know we've been through COVID, but I saw one, I think it was up in Wisconsin, somebody had posted, it was just a sea of red. 
And they were cheering and jumping up and down and, and screaming. They were excited to be back to football games. And you know what? I'm excited they're back. Well, what would that be like if God's people would fill up his house and feel the same way about it? My point is, we know where we're at. We know we're not saved by keeping commandments. We know we have the commandments and obey the commandments because we love him. We should be convicted about sin. Do you need to take that and confess it and forsake it this morning? I know I'm rattling your cage. I understand that. But this is the section we got to in Scripture. You can know you're saved, and one of the ways you know you're saved is you're doing your best to obey the commandments of God. That simple. Let me close by asking this question. Do you know him? Are you a child of God? Now, I want every person to just concentrate on this for just a minute. I'm not asking you if you live in America and you're a Christian. I'm not asking you if your parents or grandparents are Christian. I'm not asking you if you go to a church and you do things that Christians do. It's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, was there an event in your life where you prayed and realized that Christ died for your sins on the cross? He was buried for three days. He rose again, and you believe he's alive right now, and you call on his name. That's what I'm asking. That's being born again. It starts this life of knowing the Lord. You know, we live in such a deceptive age. Truth has fallen in the streets. Paul predicted this with Timothy when, with Timothy when he said, there would come a time when they would not endure sound doctrine, but heat themselves teachers having itching ears, and they wouldn't be able to come to the truth. And I guess we could have told some jokes and some stories today and maybe entertained everybody. We could all go home and go to... Uh, you can't go to Chick-fil-A. I guess you'd have to go to Slim Chickens, but anyway. Well, we live in such a deceptive age, and it's really hard for even Christians to get the emotional feeling they need to make the decisions they need to make. I heard a story just the other day about a congregation that was singing the song, I Surrender All, All to Jesus, I Surrender, I Surrender All. It was in the invitation, the first preacher had just finished preaching. The next speaker was standing on the front row singing the song, I Surrender All, next to a man that was singing the same song. He turned to the man in one of the stanzas and he said, have you, have you surrendered all? Well, he said, I've never really thought about that, but no, I suppose I haven't. He said, uh, well, you sang that song so beautifully and so powerfully, I just assumed you were a surrendered man. He said, oh, no, no, I was just singing. I was just singing. When I read that, it reminded me of the blindness that's even with God's people. That we get to a truth like this in the Bible, and you've got people that you know, they struggle and they doubt with this matter of salvation, and God just goes around and said, look, are you trying to keep his commandments? Then you can know that. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for listening today.
I really have two questions for the invitation. That's this. Right now, if you're a born-again Christian, you believe that you are. Are you keeping the commandments of God? Are you doing your best to keep the commandments of God? Answering this one question in a very, in, in a very positive way could set off a revival in our church if we just get back to keeping the commandments of God. We've been lax. We've been swayed by the world. If we just get back to it, it could be life-changing for our church. Are you keeping the commandments of God? If not, let's start today. Whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you about, let's start today. Number two, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Are you sure that heaven's your home? Well, is there a day that you pray and ask Christ to be your Savior? They're going to play softly right here in just a moment. We'll have the invitation time. Would you let God speak to your heart this morning? We'll have somebody standing on the end of each aisle. They'll have a Bible in their hand. They'll take that Bible today and show you how you could be a born-again Christian. We just want you to come. I want you to come. Would you do that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. Just let's let God speak to our hearts today. If you've been saved, not been baptized, we'd love to help you with that. If you'd like to join our church, we'd love to have you come today. Love to take care of all that. Christian, right now, can you say everything is right between you and the Lord? Or you just think, man, God just, he just kind of tolerant with this right here. It's, it's, it's just really isn't a problem. Well, sin is a problem. Let's let God take care of it. Father, we pray today that you'll bless this invitation time. Speak to our hearts, please, I pray. Deal with us, Lord, in these subjects. These are hard subjects. We want to feel your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're singing right now.